Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here with Byron Lambert. This is the Waiver Wire edition for week eight of the Roster Watch Podcast. If you like the podcast and like to support what we're doing, please go to RosterWatch.com and get a pro membership. That's where you can download the Waiver Wire cheat sheet, as well as all of our weekly tools for season-long fantasy, for DFS, and soon enough for the NFL draft, and possibly even... XFL DFS. We'll see what we'll, we'll see what Byron thinks about that once we get closer to time. But by anyway, go to rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. Thanks to everybody who's uh, rated and reviewed the podcast. We'll be sending out um, free Rosterwatch pro memberships to a few of you that help get us to 500. We'll do the same thing once we get up to 600. But we see the ratings, we see the reviews. We appreciate you. If you appreciate what it is that we do here, bringing you this content, like four of these podcasts per week that we really try and push out to you in season. Please, please, please take five seconds, go into Apple Podcasts, just scroll down right now underneath the available episodes and just click five stars, just the farthest right star, and we would be greatly appreciative. Uh, Again, please, please give us five stars in Apple Podcasts. It helps us immensely. All right, Byron, let's talk about this waiver wire cheat sheet. Again, this is just a supplement for our our pro members. You you can listen to it as you're kind of looking at the cheat sheet and setting your waivers. Uh, Other... Otherwise, you know, we won't get into exact budget allotments for as far as free agent budgets we'll be spending on these guys or the exact order that they're in. But just kind of give a quick, quick primer here. And I, I, I can't I can say this, Byron. At the very top, I can't believe Chase Edmonds at this point is only owning 48% of leagues. But he sure, certainly should be the player that people are most going after. I mean, if anybody who listens to the DFS podcast um, or listened to our SiriusXM show on Saturday or Sunday knew that we were with the opinion if David Johnson were to be limited here versus the New York Giants, that Chase Edmonds was an absolute must-play, an absolute smashing, uh, you know, must-add as far as season-long. It looks like you still think that that's the case here coming into the Week 8 waiver period. Yeah, I mean, I at this point, yeah, I think you have to suspect that he's at least a flex the rest of the way, and certainly more upside than that, and a lot of folks are going to be chasing him this week. So if you want to get him, you're going to have to really spend up. I guess you have to decide how interested you are in the first place. But certainly the top pickup of the week and a guy who's going to command uh, either a high waiver priority, the highest of all waiver priorities, or, or a very large free agent budget bid. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of leagues he's not going to be available. Maybe in a lot of leagues where we have – you know, people listening to this podcast who are really into fantasy, they probably play with some like-minded people. Chase Edmonds should have been owned in every league. It's kind of like Alexander Madison and some of these others that we talk about. That You know, these guys just need to be owned whenever this kind of thing happens. And now we've seen it. You know, David Johnson is sneakily, you know, he'll be 28 years old after week 15 this year. He was an old rookie. Now he has, you know, a lot more tread on the tires. He has a, a very checkered injury history, although... I'm not sure it's fair to say he's injury prone. He's had stuff like a wrist injury and things like that sort of mixed in with some of the other major stuff. But now it's a it's an ankle and it's a back. He was an emergency option only this last week. And, man, I, it, it, it might be smart to keep that dude out another week because I haven't made the matchup tool yet. But I think that – who's Arizona played this week? It's uh, it's some is, – is it – it's not the Giants again. Um, let's see. NFL week – Eight. Let me just get it pulled up because I should have probably done the matchups before this. But I remember thinking, looking over his upcoming schedule, that he had a good one this week. Saints, Arizona at New Orleans. 
Yeah, so maybe not quite. Maybe it was somebody else I was kind of thinking about this week. But the Saints, I don't can't say that I like that quite as much. You know what I was thinking about the Cardinals? I was thinking that Alvin Kamara might not be back this week, and it's going to keep us in a situation where we can keep rolling Latavius. <laughs> that's that's what that was, what I was thinking about in there in that game. But still, regardless, it, it feels like Chase Edmonds is, is going to be, like you said, flex-worthy for the rest of the season. And if the Cardinals were smart, they would maybe change the situation there to where Chase Edmonds is the primary back, and David Johnson is just used as one of these guys that's like a, kind of a slot receiver uh, sort of, you know, not as much of a change of pace, but man, I mean, coming in, isn't that how we sort of saw David Johnson anyway? As a guy, I mean, he was just, an, he was an excellent receiver in college, moved to the running back position. Um, we weren't sure about his uh, between the tackles ability, even though we really loved him at the senior bowl. We thought this guy's going to be an excellent offensive weapon. We just aren't sure how. Then he goes and becomes just an absolute beast. Um, you just begin to wonder if maybe. They could use him in the same way that, say, like the Chargers have been using Austin Eckler or something like that. I see it more likely that they'll utilize David Johnson how the Saints utilized Mark Ingram the last few years before he went on to Baltimore. And actually, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, what I, that's the comparison I would make. Is that's what I would expect out of David Johnson if he's healthy moving forward. So that means that Edmonds gets more of that Camaro role. It's a flex-worthy role with a lot of upside. And, you know, the thing about David Johnson is, sure, he could play that slot receiver, but he's also he's also your big guy. You could say as your first and second down back, or you could call him your goal line back, your short yardage back. And so he has, to me, it reminds me a lot of Mark Ingram those last few years in New Orleans, the situation we have in Arizona right now. Yeah, but maybe with a look, a, a tiny bit more pass catching upside. Although we can't forget that Mark Ingram did catch a lot of footballs, a lot more footballs. I mean, he had sixty reception Orleans. seasons in New Orleans, right? It's At just, least one. You just kind of you kind of let it get out of your head that uh, you kind of let it get out of your head now that he's not you know he's averaging like one point two targets per game with the Ravens that he actually did catch the football a lot there for the Saints. He's a three down back. Yeah, they just never used him like that. I mean, I never really got out of my head. I, to me, that was one of the underlying. You know things to to, to to enticing about Mark Ingram is he does have three down upside, but these teams are all running back by committees, man. The vast majority of them, when it's all said and done. If I would have told you at any point prior to the NFL season that the Patriots and the 49ers would be the two remaining undefeated teams through six weeks, you'd call me crazy, right? Maybe you wouldn't because you saw it coming. But look, the Pats are six and zero, and they don't even have Gronkowski. What exactly will it take to stop them? It continues to be an exciting season. And I'll tell you what, you don't have to sit back and watch this season unfold with your hands in your pockets because you, too, can get in on the action. Support your team every weekend or take advantage of your football knowledge to bring home the bacon with my bookie. Between football season, the MLB playoffs, and the start of the NBA and the NHL seasons, it's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action. There's plenty to bet on and always cash to be won. And if, you, if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, you could just pick a couple of the big favorites this week, and parlays are perfect. They let you bet multiple games together, and in turn, you get a much bigger payout when they hit. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because nobody gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie. And if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. You just have to use our promo code, ROSTER, 
R-O-S-T-E-R, to activate that offer. That's promo code ROSTER to double your cash. Just deposit the money, double it. Just use promo code ROSTER. Get double your money. Start getting in on the action today by visiting mybookie.ag. That is mybookie.ag, promo code ROSTER. You play, you win, you get paid. Another running back by committee. That, or is it going to be a running back by committee with uh, the Lions now that um, now that it looks like Carryon Johnson is going to be on the shelf for an? Ex- I mean, whenever they say week to week with these injuries, it usually means they're going to be out of usually about a month, right? It's like week to week is not they're going to be back this week. That's day to day. So if they're not back this week, you know, it's maybe it's back next week, but it's, you know, usually three four weeks. It, I think the pickup is definitely Ty Johnson, even though there are people on our on our Twitter and out there in the Twitter streets that are already standing for J.D. McKissick. Whenever I heard that, I said, this sounds like the guy that wanted Ty Johnson on waivers but ended up getting the J.D. McKissick consolation prize and now is trying to talk himself into it. Yeah, I mean, I could see McKissick having some low-end flex value in PPR, but just based on what we've seen so far, I mean, let's – should we pull up the snap counts, touches, and targets, Alex? And let's just yeah. have a look here. I mean, well, Ty Johnson, 14 touches on 64% of snaps uh, last week. Of course, Carrion went out super early. He only played 14% of snaps before he went out. So Ty Johnson, uh, 64% versus J.D. McKissick's four, uh, 25%. If you just take Carrion's workload and kind of prorate it to uh, what those two players had, um, you're probably looking at what? Uh, like so, nine extra percent for Ty. So se- uh, it's like a seventy-one percenter versus a thirty. What I don't know. Seventy-one percent versus like you know thirty-five, thirty-six percent, and or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, but well, yeah. I, I mean, I guess that there were probably some points in time because if you look at Ty Johnson, sixty-four percent plus JD McKissick's twenty-five percent plus carry ons. 14%, so that's 39 plus 64. I mean, they, they they had two on the field at the same time for certain amounts of time, so you, you can maybe project it a little bit over just going up to the Well, you would, you would imagine Ty Johnson to kind of limit out where we figured a lot of these other RB2s limit out. That's somewhere in the 60 to 67% snap count range, and with him, you might be conservative and estimate on the lower side it makes him like probably you know makes him a solid solid flex it's a speculative move it's why we're not recommending a chase Edmonds style massive free agent spend on him but it certainly comes into focus as one of the more important and uh free agent targets uh, waiver wire targets of the week and by default becomes an absolute priority yeah no i can i i completely agree um, as far as some of these other guys, I mean, it looks like you're starting to get a little bit of interest in maybe picking up Kareem Hunt at this point, I guess. I mean, he's more owned than he's not at this point. You know, he's getting closer to coming back. I'm, I'm still not sure how thrilled I am, you know, to, to speculate on him. If you're a Nick Chubb owner and you don't own him, you should definitely be in on him in those other 46% of leagues where he's currently available. I just... I mean, I think you have it's in a thin kind of a it's kind of a you know you know just kind of put a blindfold on and picking the grab basket of all these guys down here in the you know bottom tier of the running backs the less than ten percent free agent budget spend for the week. I mean, they've all got certainly an enticing allure with upside, but you know you could miss or hit on any of these dudes. So I just say don't go crazy on a cream hunt. Nick Chubb has looked awesome. 
Yeah, it's just it's funny. I guess old old habits die hard. I'm having to going through the <laughs> going through this quality control process before we uh, put this up. Kind of mixing some you know changes up some of these slotting. I see that you've listed Kareem Hunt as a Kansas City Chief. <laughs> Let's see here. Um, uh, we have to look at. I mean, you have Kalen Balaj listed here, and for me, it's just like, I mean... Well, Drake's about to get traded, probably. So if Kenyon Drake gets traded, I mean, you have to be interested in Mark Walton and Kalen Balaj. Especially Balaj has been getting all the goal line carries. I think he's got a touchdown three weeks in a row right now. So I hate him. I think he sucks. But if Kenyon Drake truly gets traded, we'll know this next week. But you want to be a week in front of this. If Drake gets traded, I mean, it's it's not a season winner, but... I mean, at that point, you, you got to say Walton and Balazs are... All right, so I especially mean, if Fitzpatrick stays at the helm. I mean, that's a big part of it, too. We'll see what happens, but... So, Walt, Walt, Walton needs to take priority over Kareem Hunt in a vacuum. My only question is this. Do we think that Alexander Madison should take priority over Kalen Balazs? I mean, it's we've been be hammering a, on be a, Madison Martin be a for Chase weeks and weeks now, and you, you keep talking to us. And I've been high on him forever, and we've had him on the sheet reminding people. We've, we've, we had him on the draft cheat sheet, so people were taking him. I mean, I think all, a lot of our followers have him a lot of Madison. We can continue to stay high on him. Just, at some point, you say, all right, let's start – you know, we own a lot of this guy. Let's start thinking of some other folks. And I know you keep pounding on Madison as a, as a good stash, but, you know, he hasn't really broken out at this point. So, you know, if Kenyon Drake gets traded, who immediately who's more valuable, like in a flex situation? It, it, I mean, you could argue either way. I think it would be Kalen Balazs. I mean, Madison could always have more value on the season because of his potential upside in the case of a Dalvin Cook Injury. I think you can always make that argument. But if Kenyon Drake gets traded tomorrow, pretty hard to make the argument that Madison has a more immediate flex value than Kalen Balazs does. Well, clearly, but uh, there's a couple things there. They've been floating out rumors that they want to trade Kenyon Drake for a long time. We only have until the 29th for them to get a deal done with this. I'm not sure anybody wants this shithead anyway. And for two, Kalen Balazs absolutely sucks. I'm done with him. Um, he looks he looks terrible. Alexander Madison, whenever he gets the run and he gets in there, he looks fantastic. And that's a that's a team that's dedicated to it. And look, I mean, let's face it. I own Dalvin Cook everywhere. I'm not I, I, I'm not trying to jinx him, but he's he's had a he's had a checkered injury past of his own. And Alexander Madison becomes a RB a low end RB one the minute that he gets a start, regardless of matchup. Whereas Kalen Balazs is a guy that even if he even if I have him on my roster, it's almost even more of a headache deciding whether I want to start this asshole. I mean, they're basically back-to-back on the sheet in the bottom tier, so you're splitting hairs here. It just depends on if you want to stash or if you are looking for immediate play. I think you can make the argument you know, either way. I mean, I think you're really splitting hairs, and it just depends on, on, on what the user of the cheat sheet really needs for his roster at this point. But both of those guys are reasonable pickups at this point. I mean, all these guys, it's a flat circle. I mean, all these dudes that we've been pounding on, you know, from our training camps and then early in the preseason and the draft season. I mean, they, they just, you know, all of this stuff comes to starts coming to the surface as the season goes on. And I mean, here we are. We're here. We're back talking about Kalen Balazs and Alexander Madison and all these other guys, man. So his his or her roster. Right. Yes. I've noticed that we do have a few female listeners whenever you look at the analytics. Nice. I don't want to leave them out. Um. Very, very, very few. But 
They do exist. Any of these other running backs you want to talk about? I think Benny Snell should probably be a little higher just in case James Well, I was going to have him higher. I actually wanted to bring this up with you. I mean, Jay, it looks like the news is coming in. Jalen Samuels already returning to practice and on a kind of a fast track for a return. So I think maybe we need to add him to the sheet. And then I was going to ask you what that did to Snell. I think maybe maybe if you think Snell should go up, maybe that means Snell just stays where he, where he is and we add Samuels, who's 15% owned. Okay, so we'll add, I mean, we'll definitely add Samuels above. Yeah, I mean, Samuels should probably be... Now, that's a guy who I can see putting above Alexander Madison, right? Because whenever he comes in, he doesn't suck. And there's not a guy who the team already seems committed to playing over him the way that the Dolphins seem committed just to riding this thing out with shitty Mark Walton, right? That's just kind of what they seem like they're going to be doing because they want to see what he looks like. Because moving forward into the future, he could be... Possibly just some kind of backup or one B-ish piece to whatever guy that they bring in there once they want to quit tanking, right? I think they've seen enough out of Kalen Balazs to know that this guy's no good. And the only time we're ever going to bring him in is maybe down at the goal line. Who's the key? I mean, dude, they're rolling him on 7% of snaps right now. Yeah, I'm just saying he scored touchdowns three weeks in a row. If Kenyon Drake gets tra- traded, that snap count changes, right? So... Um, but yeah, he still, he, he, look, he was in a two man back with Drake to begin the season. It wasn't any good. I think a lot of it has to do with Fitzpatrick. He's, he's whatever. You can switch those guys around to, to your point. I, I do like Samuels. However, Snell looked very good in the action he's gotten. He was a good prospect. James Conner got the 23 touches last week. I mean, he looked good with them. You know, you wonder if maybe he's a guy they are starting to feature because they did look. They hesitated to get Jalen Samuels wasn't involved in this offense at all to begin the season. It was a real head scratcher for everybody, and then right before the injury, he was just starting to get involved. So, you know, I wonder where this coaching staff is exactly on Jalen Samuels. If I'm a coach or a general manager, I'm subscribing to the exact logic that you laid out, Alex. It's not clear to me that's exactly the way the Steelers are going to play this hand. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Snell and Samuels should both be in focus. It looks sounds like we're maybe still a couple of weeks out on Samuels, so a little bit more of a stash. He's fifteen percent owned. Snell is six percent owned. Um, so I mean, I, I, I guess Snell's handcuff value, you know, it really takes a hit if we know that Samuels is coming back, even in the case of a short-term James Conner injury. Okay, so I added Jalen Samuels just right above Benny Snell. But, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to get him above the Alexander Madisons of the world. I would like him above Kalen Balazs, but you make an interesting point there. So we'll just leave Kalen Balazs ahead of him. I'm getting Madison ahead of Balazs. I can't – I mean, if, if, if there's something that happens to Dalvin and we don't – a lot of our people don't have Alexander Madison, I'm going to feel real hurt. They've had well, a lot they of should by now. Too, right? And it wouldn't be because of the one week on the waiver wire cheat sheet, but that's fair. All right. Uh, I mean, you don't have to argue with me to get high on Alexander Madison. Right. Uh, let's move on to the wide receivers, and I guess the top guy, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought it waking up this morning, and actually I've been doing so much work this morning, getting Trash Man's podcast edited, and, um, uh, you know, doing the, you know, getting up the posts up for the different tools that are going up at Roster Watch, this, snap counts, touches, targets, etc. I didn't even see the news as the recording of this, that Mohamed Sanu's been traded to the New England Patriots. Just your thoughts on that in general, and the general reporting that's happened around it. Well, it's generated a lot of buzz and a lot of interest. It tells me that Josh Gordon's maybe a little bit more hurt than the Patriots have let on and or just ineffective. Uh, They've been looking for somebody. I think it also means that any wild ideas of Antonio Brown returning, making amends with Robert Kraft, 
in a late season uh, deal is definitely unlikely uh, to, you know, that's impossible probably at this point for that to happen. Uh, the Patriots gave up a second rounder for Muhammad Sanu. So they're invested here. You know, it's a big, awesome wide receiver by committee. They got the door sets and the Jacoby Myers of the world coming on. It also tells me that my intelligence from training camp was spot on. You know, they see it as a slow trajectory for Nikhil Harry. So all you guys have been running to stash him kind of um, irrationally the last couple of weeks. Uh I don't see that really working out. So, you know, if you, if you, he, you can stash him if you want, but if you need to drop Nikhil Harry, I think you can. Now, and for Sanu, man, he was pumped. As soon as he got the news, he was, he fired out, you know, uh, I think it was what, uh, LFG, something like that. Like, you know, let's, let's F and go. So he's fired up to go play with Tom Brady on a team that's got, Super Bowl aspirations. And I think we've seen with Brady, he can bring one of these guys right in and make them immediately serviceable. And so that's, you know, and Sanu's the kind of guy they're going to run some trick plays with, all that kind of stuff. So I see him being involved. Are people overvaluing him today? Maybe. I think that's a real possibility. But nonetheless, he's certainly a player that at right at 55% owned has to come, you know, straight into focus as one of the most popular wide receiver pickups of week eight. Yeah, it's a perf- a perfect, perfect Patriots wide receiver. And definitely a big boon, as you mentioned before we got on, for Calvin Ridley. I think also for Austin Hooper. You know, I mean, Julio's going to do what Julio does, but as far as the ancillary options there, you know, it's a. It's a it, it's I mean, how a much big bigger deal. can Austin Hooper go? <laughs> well, he's certainly been, uh, certainly been fantastic this year. Um, is, is he in a contract year? They're not going to be able to pay him. I don't know. If Calvin Ridley can soak up 50% of what Sanu was doing, we're going to be in big-time business, Alex. Yeah. Um, what about these other guys, man? I, I was talking briefly beforehand. It seems like Will Fuller's injury could be a little bit more um, – a little bit bigger deal than was initially thought. N- nothing season-ending or anything like that. But, I mean, it just really makes me like Kenny Stills just because I like buying into the downfield threat that's in that offense – and Kenny still seems like he should be able to step into that in a perfect 1v1 sort of way for the way that Will Fuller was, whereas Kiki Cutie's always going to have his own role. Kenny Stills has always been uh, a guy who, you know, we couldn't necessarily depend on volume from him at any of his stops. But when, whenever he got the opportunity, he's always been really efficient. He's made the most of every target. And if we see an uptick coming for him, I, I mean... He's a guy I kind of want to own even more than these Tennessee dudes with with Ryan Tannehill who's going to turn back into a pumpkin after another week or two and just you know render those guys back as dust. What do you think? I can subscribe to that. I like the fit of Kenny Stills in this offense. I mean, that's basically where my head was at. That's why I had him over Kiki Kuti, who's been generating a lot of buzz with some consistent play the last few weeks. You know, So I, I maybe just didn't go quite as high on him because of how the tight ends have been contributing and how – Kiki Kuti's also been contributing, and we see DeAndre Hopkins seemingly getting back into rhythm. But I can subscribe to that, and I can also just subscribe to the idea that if we're not sure, let's just buy into the good offense, the good quarterback. Kenny Stills will kind of get his along the way. It's almost like getting in every week on one of these Jacoby Myers or whoever the hell it is in New England. Those guys, Philip Dorsett's, I mean, those guys, they you know they seem like wide receiver fives or whatnot, but it feels like more times than not you end up 
getting pretty good weeks out of those guys just because the offenses and the quarterbacks they're attached to. So I could see that for sure. I mean, you raise a good point, though. Ryan Tannehill seemingly breathing a pretty big life into Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, kind of reminding you that those guys are two really good they were two, they're two good prospects and how much they these players can potentially be affected just by who's throwing them the football man i mean well i i how viable is ryan Tannehill long term who knows i mean i think you have to be very very careful about that but Corey davis and aj brown looked literally fantastic they look like the prospects that we always thought they were just because they had somebody functional throwing in the football so you know if you want stills over those guys it's fine with me uh, um, the, as two players that i've been lukewarm on all year and even tried to sell high on at various points of the season i'm actually at this point a whole lot more interested in picking up a Corey davis and aj brown off of waivers and actually rostering them and kind of see you know what happens i mean they feel like they feel like they're heading towards being flex plays right now i agree man i think that um I, I, I like A.J. Brown better than like Corey Davis as far as, you know, prospecting goes. But um, eight targets for A.J. Brown, seven receptions, 62 yards. Corey Davis, of course, had the, the bigger yardage day and the extra touchdown. But I just – to me, it's just – this feels like a – with Ryan Tannehill, this, this just feels like a dead cat bounce, man. Like it's not going to take long for teams to get tape and remember how to beat Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> it's like – just like, you know – it's like we used to. It's like it used to be with whenever Matt Moore would would come in to football games. Do you, do you remember looking like Dracula? And he just say, "Dude, he might he's gonna look good for a few weeks, and then once you start to trust him, he's just gonna suck the life right out of you." Well, you got to look at the rest of the names on this list too, right? A lot of this comes down to, you know, what are your other options? So it's a big list, big long. I mean, this is why you come to roster watch for the waiver wire cheat sheet, especially for those of you who are in competitive leagues that want it to be simple because, you know, how many of these uh, piddly little waiver wire lists and rankings can you go find out on the internet and you go to your league and all those guys are owned or you're not going to get them because they're such short lists. Like this is the how, – how deep is this list of wide receivers? I don't know, 30 wide receivers deep on this waiver wire list this week. So you have a ton of options even in competitive league. There's very viable players had for cheap or free on waivers this week at the wide receiver position. What about this one that's a little bit farther down here? I, I remember um, with Adam Thielen out, what about Ola B.C. Johnson? I know that he was a guy that Lance Zerline in the pre- pre-draft process said would be better as a pro, I believe. I don't want to misquote Lance, but he just basically loved he, – he, he loved him more than Preston Williams, his teammate. Um, the – I, I mean, I guess probably where you have him is fine. I like it's fine. I, I think it's neat that you put him on here. He was a guy I was kind of thinking of in a, in a deep league, and I know he was available in one of my deep dynasty leagues as well that I'm, that I'm going to be putting in a putting in a claim for him. Um, I'm just kind of trying to look down here as well. well. We have a little bit of news coming in today that Adam Thielen is possibly fast-tracking his return from what appears He's to be back on Thursday. minor hamstring. So that's fine. Game. That's fine. He might not play Thursday. They're acting like he might be able to. I do, I'm, what I'm saying is it doesn't look like it's a long-term injury for Thielen. So if you're picking up Ola B.C. Johnson, it, it could be for a one-week play. So, you know, when you're dealing with a guy like that, you gotta, you know, that could factor in a lot. Any of these other guys in specific you want to touch on before we kind of move on here? 
Yeah, I mean, I tried to tell you guys about Keelan Doss and Zay Jones last week. Zay Jones was inactive, but Keelan Doss looked awesome. You know, that could be just a merry-go-round in Oakland, probably hard to trust, but, you know, deep guy to be interested in. I couldn't understand how or why Alex Erickson in Cincinnati went so damn bananas this uh, last week, Alex. That was just absolutely wild. I mean, Auden Tate still ended up doing pretty well for me, but... Alex Erickson out of nowhere kind of stole all of his thunder or a bunch of his thunder. Deontay Johnson with Mason Rudolph back in the mix. He's a guy I continue to be a little interested in there on the Steelers side. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton, if Emmanuel Sanders gets traded, uh, could be a pretty big bump for him, even though it's just Joe Flacco or potentially Drew Locke that we're dealing with. And then, um, you know, Demarius Thomas showing some consistent kind of low-end viability with the Jets. I know that looked bad last night, but they have the epic schedule ahead. Uh, I mean, last night was worse than maybe expected, but was a predictably horrible spot for all of the Jets. I mean, all along, these have just been waiting to get through this Patriots matchup to start rolling these Jets guys out. So I'm not that interested in a Demarius Thomas, but to be to be fair, he has started to show up a little bit the last couple of weeks and then uh anthony miller finally rearing his hair has had with some air yards and uh, actually a reasonable amount of targets the last two weeks alex for anthony miller of course trubisky and nagy are our concerns there with that offense what real upside is there in a given week for a guy like Anthony Miller and then you know Alan Lazard I think as long as Devontae Adams is out if that continues he showed that he continues to be a little bit viable at the tight end position I mean we can go over these quickly tight end is just such a wasteland but um you know I I I noticed that uh what do you think about this theory that our friend JJ Zacharyson from FanDuel has that he's been talking about on Twitter and that is just if you're streaming tight ends, it's so bad anyway. Why not stream Dallas Goddard? Because he's good. He's getting about the same usage as all these other guys. He's probably more talented than all these other assholes. And if Zach Ertz gets hurt, all of a sudden you have a top five tight end on your hands. What do you think of that I think, theory? I think it's fine. I was kicking myself for not playing Eric Ebron this last week for that subscribing to that same type of logic. And Ebron's another guy who's found himself towards the top of a what's actually kind of a you know deep back end tight end waiver wire week at tight end it's actually a very interesting week to try to at least fill your tight end spot where you've been struggling for this week or potentially beyond there's some it's it's a it's a deeper waiver wire group than there's been and a part of that is because to your point i think guys like goddard and ebron have emerged where if you just look at your their game logs you say man you know, if I just played those guys every week, it wouldn't be so bad. And so I think you can. I, and then there's some speculative guys. You know, you can still speculate on the Herndons of the world, or you know, some of these guys. I know some people are maybe still holding out that OJ Howard could get traded. Maybe he's a guy you can hold in hopes. We've heard that he wasn't going to be traded at the end of last week, coming out of Tampa. But that could just be smoke you got the Seahawks coming out on Sunday word coming out of their camp that they're somewhat interested in a tight end on the trade market so maybe you got a little you know a little hope to stash a guy like that you know it's 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 uh you know Vance McDonald I think if Mason Rudolph is back has a little bit of viability Mike Gesicki's been getting the targets the last few weeks and but probably the most interesting guy Alex is if Delaney Walker is out this week 
Jano Smith at 0% owned becomes like a realistic option in, in week eight off the waiver wire that everybody can get at home against the Buccaneers. 